It is so good to be here with you. So good to finally be here resting in your cupped hands as I begin to open mine to you as well. It is so good to be here with you. Now I'm kind of counting on the fact that hopefully most of you don't remember I've actually been in this pulpit before. You see, it was about 10 years ago, back when I was a ministerial intern over at Unity Church Unitarian, all the way across the river in St. Paul. I made the dangerous trek over here to Minneapolis against the caution of many folks. I arrived here, but you all had generously opened your doors. Your ministers had invited me in to preach, even as a stumbling, new, forming minister. You had, in many ways, opened your cupped hands to me, even then. And standing here, it wasn't just your cupped hands that had welcomed me in. It was your minister, Kate Tucker's hands as well. You see, when I arrived here in Minnesota and I got to know my colleagues in the Twin Cities, well, she stood out right away as someone who I could only hope to model my ministry after. And so I asked Kate if she would sit down with me, if she would share a bit about how she does this wonderful work with me. And her, with her graciousness, with her cupped hands, she welcomed me in. We sat down, we ate I think it was Afghani food for a long time as we talked over how it is that you craft a sermon like she does. How is it that you keep a soft and open heart like she does? How is it that you manage this tricky business of life and ministry without having it break your heart too far? We talked and talked and her cupped hands were here with me as I stood in this pulpit ten years ago. Now, It wasn't just her hands, either. You see, up here on the chancel with me was Ginny Mackinich, and who could have known that in all good grace she would lead the good goodbye team for Kate so many years later? Who could know that she was actually the cousin of a congregant so dear to me from my congregation in Rochester, New York? So many cupped hands opening for me along the way to bring me here. Now, I'll tell you one other thing that happened to me as I stepped into this pulpit that morning 10 years ago. You see, I stepped up and I did what I had been taught. I grounded myself. I took a deep breath. I looked around to bring all of your faces and your lives into my heart. And as I looked right in the center, right in the front, my eyes came to rest on the Reverend John Cummins, your minister emeritus. Now, for most of you, I imagine that seeing him would bring you a sense of comfort, a sense of (laughs) deep peace, but I'll tell you, as I looked out and saw him, I began to quake in my boots up here. I thought, what the heck? How is it that I am going to preach to the legend here, the legend among Unitarian Universalists and among ministers, and I am going to dare to preach on the topic of Emerson, of all things. (laughs) I tell you, all I wanted to do was run out the back door down the stairwell that you all had shown me. I was full of fear that morning. Now, somehow I made it through the sermon that day. I'm still not entirely sure how, but I found the tape, the cassette tape, to prove it as I was packing to move here. If anybody wants to see it, it's amazing. Um, So I made it through the sermon, and whether I preached well or poorly, you were there greeting me with your kind words as as you exited the sanctuary that morning. In fact, you were so kind to me, I had forgotten that John was here and didn't make a beeline for it before he could reach me and hold my hand in his two cupped hands. 
as he held my hand out there in the lobby and whispered words of encouragement and confidence to me, words that have done more to kind of push the clouds of self-doubt out of this young minister's heart than any other words out there. You see, in so many ways, your hands have held me long before I ever got to this moment, long before this moment we are sharing now, when together we will build this fantastic future together. So we begin this journey together. I begin it surely with a deep breath, with incredible gratitude for the words that you have spoken to me all along the way of my journey into ministry. Those words I think we all long to hear. I'm so glad you're here. We've been waiting for you. Now, for those of you who have been around for a while, for those of you who might know a little bit of Universalist history, you probably know that last week and 10 years ago, these weren't the first times that those exact words of welcome were ever spoken in a Universalist church. I'm so glad you're here. I've been waiting for you. In fact, if you head all the way back to one of our founding stories, the story of Thomas Potter and John Murray, right there those words were spoken, way back in the 1700s, here in the yet-to-be-formed United States of America. Now, some of you might not know this story. It's one of my favorites. I take something new away from it every time. It begins with Thomas Potter, this well-to-do but illiterate farmer there in New Jersey, and he had come to believe in this radical concept, this radical concept of universal salvation, of a God whose love is so big that no one is left outside the fold. The circle is big enough to hold us all as worthy and equal. A loving God could never condemn any one of us to hell. This is what Thomas Potter had come to believe there on his farm by himself. And he, although I think he was probably, came along too soon to ever see the movie Field of Dreams, he still subscribed to that philosophy. You know, if you build it, they will come. And so he built this chapel there on his farm, there on his land. He built a chapel for the preacher who he knew would arrive, someone who would share his views, his deep belief in each and every person. So he built that chapel there on his land, and he waited, and he waited. And he waited, and he waited for 20 years. He waited. So you can imagine that when John Murray washed up on his shore, when John Murray came from England, and he crashed up on the sandbar right there on the coast of what would be New Jersey, when John Murray made his way up to Thomas Potter's door and knocked on it, well, Thomas Potter greeted him the way I was greeted. I am so glad you're here. I've been waiting for you. Now, I think this must have stunned John Murray just a little bit <laughs> for so many reasons. He was, in fact, a preacher, but he was someone who had put that down. You see, Thomas Potter couldn't possibly know that John Murray had arrived there at his door on that shore, a broken man in so many ways. You see, John Murray had been a Methodist lay preacher back in England. He had been a great preacher, as a matter of fact, and he had come to believe what Thomas Potter believed, that the circle was wide enough, that it should hold every single one of us, that there is a God of deep love that enfolds each and every one of us as worthy and equal. And Murray preached this gospel. He preached it all over England, and as he did, I'll tell you, the elders and the clergy became more and more displeased with him. 
to the point where he was soon excommunicated from his own faith tradition there in England. And just in case that wasn't enough, soon after his eyesight began to fail and his wife and his child became ill and they died. Now this was a lot of grief for one person to bear. And just in case that wasn't enough, their illnesses, the illnesses in his family, well, they had drawn him into debt in a way he could not get out of, and so he was thrown into debtor's prison there in England. And I'll tell you, it's not surprising, right, that depression settled in on him, and he decided there and then, if I ever get out of this place, I will never preach the gospel of universal salvation again. I will never preach again, he swore. So this man... This man who arrived on the shores, battered and broken by the storms of loss and of life, he arrived there at Thomas Potter's door to that embrace, that embrace that says, I am so glad you're here. I've been waiting for you. And that broken man, he let it just a little bit into his heart. Though I'll tell you, I imagine, I imagine this conversation the two of them had, Thomas Potter and John Murray, and I imagine Thomas Potter holding on to his face in a fierce way, and John Murray trying to pull back and away and shake him off and say, no, you don't understand. Can you see my life? I can't do this. I am not the one. I can't be the one to do this. But Potter, after waiting for 20 years for this man, he would not let go. And so finally, John Murray struck a deal with him. He said, fine, fine, I'll preach, but on one condition. I will preach on Sunday morning, but only if my boat does not move. My boat that's stuck there on the sandbar, if the winds blow, if the boat moves, I am on it. I am out of here. I am sailing away. I am not preaching. And I'll tell you, I can imagine this in my mind, too. John Murray pacing back and forth in Thomas Potter's living room, looking out the window, willing the wind to blow and the boat to move as Friday comes, as Saturday comes, as the afternoon passes and the evening, and it's finally the wee hours of Sunday morning. And John Murray is maybe finally thinking, it's time to write a sermon. So Sunday morning did arrive, and he did preach. And pretty soon, John Murray was one of those founding voices, those deep and powerful voices that propelled universalism forward here in America. This kind of love that those two men experienced between one another, the love of God that they had talked about, but that they experienced here between people. That love of Thomas Potter holding on to John Murray, saying, I see you. I know you. I love you. You can do this. You are the one we need. What a deep kind of love. This is the kind of love that is our heritage as Unitarian Universalists. This is the kind of love that propels us, even now, into action. Now, this love that I'm talking about, you can probably tell already it's not always the love that's the kind you hear in, like, lilting language and beautiful, flowing poetry. Sometimes it is an even more challenging love. The love that I am talking about, this kind of love, is a love that will not let us go, no matter how hard we try to shake it off and say, no, it is not me. 
This is the kind of love that holds us even through the storms of loss and life that come to all of us inevitably. This kind of love that I'm talking about is the kind of love that demands that we draw the circle wider and wider and wider still until no one is left out. This is the kind of love I'm talking about. This is the kind of love that was experienced between those two men so long ago. The kind of love that asks us to stand up, to stand with, to stand by, to care for and nurture and protect every single person in this world. Now this is the kind of love that we ask one another to practice here in this Unitarian Universalist congregation out there in the world. It is the kind of love that formed the seeds of our Unitarian Universalist Association standing on the side of love campaign way back in 2009. But if I'm going to tell the story of how this campaign started, this campaign of standing on the side of love that we're in the midst of, we're in the middle of that worship theme right now as a congregation, I have to go back to the summer of 2008, and specifically, I have to go back to July 28th of 2008 in Knoxville, Tennessee. See, it was perhaps a typical summer Sunday there at the Knoxville, Tennessee congregation there at Tennessee Valley Unitarian Universalist congregation. They had opened their doors. They were sharing the day with their neighboring congregation, the West Side Unitarian Universalist, and together they were putting on a musical of Annie Jr. with the kids. It was a great morning as it began, but it was also the morning that a man walked into that sanctuary and began shooting. It was a day when this man came in. He came incensed by Unitarian Universalism's embrace of all people, and particularly by the way that we embraced and stood with our gay and lesbian, bisexual and transgender congregants and those in the world. He came angry. He killed two people. He injured so many more in body and mind and spirit. He came, as the Tennessee Valley minister, Chris Buse, said, he came to do an act of hatred, but instead he unleashed unbelievable amounts of love. See, on that morning, on that day and in the days and weeks and months that followed, the people of the West Side and the Tennessee Valley Unitarian Universalist congregations, the people of Knoxville, Tennessee, they put their love into action. They got about their work in the world. That very morning, the ushers, including Greg McKendry, who was killed as a result of this, the ushers and so many others in the congregation, they ran not away from the shooter, but toward him, using their bodies as a shield between the shooter and the children. That morning, the director of religious education and so many others quickly and effectively evacuated the kids from that building, in so many instances, lifting them up, literally, in his cupped hands, handing them over the chain-link fence into the hands of their waiting Second Presbyterian neighbors. They put their love into action that morning. And I'll tell you, it didn't stop once the shooting stopped. It kept on going, this love that flowed out of their hearts into their hands, into their actions. It didn't stop there as though two, those two Unitarian Universalist congregations that had been targeted, as they recommitted themselves again to the work of love and justice in the world, and in particular, of standing with gay and lesbian, bisexual, and transgender people. 
the folks of Knoxville, across a whole range of political and theological beliefs, they came together to offer food and comfort and assistance. In fact, the Tennessee Valley minister says they had more food than they had any idea what to do with. You can imagine they ended up feeding so many others with it. And in the days that followed that shooting, the Tennessee Valley Unitarian Universalist congregation hung a banner outside on their grounds, a banner that proclaimed loud and clear to everyone there and to anyone who looked, saying that in the face of violence and hatred, Unitarian Universalists stand on the side of love. That is what they said. And it was there, it was there and then that the seeds of this larger campaign were sown. This campaign that has drawn us out beyond our walls on so many occasions, out beyond our comfort zones as well. As we pledge, as we stand with those who are bullied, those who are told they are less than, those who live in fear, those who are told they are not worthy, they are not equal, we are there. We are there with them, and this is our pledge. Together through our Standing on the Side of Love campaign and through our congregations, we stand with all those who are being told they are less than. We are putting our love into action day after day, building the world of our dreams, this world of love and justice that embodies the message that Thomas Potter and John Murray shared so many years ago, this world where all are worthy, all are equal, all are loved. This is our work. Now on some days, right, on some days this work is easier, simpler, cleaner than others. On some days it is about reaching across just a bit of discomfort, maybe reaching across a bit of constraint, of culture or fear, and going not for the person's hand, but for their face, right, of holding each other of saying those words we all long to hear. I'm so glad you're here. I've been waiting for you. Some days it is about that, that holding in love. Some days it is about pulling weeds in someone's garden or making a meal or holding a hand. Some days it is simple like that. Some days it is allowing our hand to be held, allowing that meal to be delivered to us, allowing someone to walk with us as we rest in those cupped hands. Some days, some days our work is more complicated, more difficult even. Some days it is about putting our bodies in between a danger and a vulnerable person. Some days our work is literally and figuratively lifting up children and teenagers and adults, lifting them up and over barriers into the resting, trustworthy hands of another. Some days our work is about getting rid of those barriers all together. But whatever form it takes, this is our work in the world, standing with our sick neighbors as they too know the pain and the loss that comes with violence. These days we are holding hands in solidarity and strength. Some days it's all we can do to let others hold us. Susan B. Anthony, the great Unitarian and women's rights advocate and member of my former congregation in Rochester, New York. She was a great worker for justice in the world. 
And one day a reporter asked her, Miss Anthony, do you pray? And she said, I pray every single second of every day, but I don't pray on my knees. I pray with my work. Worship and work are one. I pray with my work. Well, I'll tell you, to put it as simply as I can, for us as Unitarian Universalists, love is our work. Love in this world. Love that holds hands, love that brings meals, that weeds, gardens, that stands beside. Love that breaks down barriers, love that stands in the way of danger, protecting others. Love is our work. So friends, this is what we are about together. Holding each other in here and outside of these walls in our tender and strong cupped hands allowing ourselves to be held in turn when we need the loving, tender, strong, cupped hands of others. So let us be about our work. May it be so, and amen.